camp down to Birkendal Race Camp and once again it's uh, Chris Patton and his trusty companion Pukela Pukela Levea <coughs> it's the 24th of August 2016 we're driving from Skukuza Rest Camp to Birkendal Rest Camp that is correct we're just stopping at the major crossroads in the park outside Skukuza Camp it's got a signpost with all the distances to all the other main camps in the southern section of the park. Uh, for those of you who don't know, who may be listening overseas, August is winter time in South Africa and Kruger is a winter rainfall, is a summer rainfall, so uh, there hasn't been substantial rain in the park for a very long time and it's looking very arid, barren, there's no leaves on a lot of the trees and uh, the felt is looking very denuded and in bad need of some water but the signpost ahead of us tells us that our destination Birkendal is how far? Uh, Birkendal is 70 k's 70, 70 kilometers so we're going to make two stops en route one on top of Matakanyani hill which is um, a lookout point that allows you to leave your vehicle and gives you a wonderful vista over the surrounding felt um, all around so we'll stop there for a, um, a break and then there's Afsal picnic site and tea room and uh, that is a place where once again you can get out of your car there is um, a shop service a cafeteria service you can buy food you can uh, cook your picnic lunches that sort of thing and um, so those are the two stop ups we'll have but we'll also probably see some uh, sightings even though it's the middle of the day right now it's uh, just two minutes before 11 o'clock so it's not ideal game viewing time of day because in the heat of the day that the wildlife seek shade and are not as active uh, but I'm sure we'll still see one or two exciting things for us to talk about so bear with us and enjoy the ride okay, since we've left camp bush has been very dense and very dry so we haven't seen too many animals out next to the road but we've come to a bit of a clearing <coughs> on the right hand side what have we got there Pukela? two types of animal it's a uh, two one female kudu and one male kudu and two male impalas am yes, I correct you are correct what is on the back of the kudu on the back of the kudu it's a bed that it's on, on what did you say it, it's on it eats it parasites that on feed on the yes. it's a red-billed oxpecker you can see oxpecker it's yes got um, red beak and then a sort of um, yellow eye yes. and the rest of the bird is brown yes kudus for those Sorry, other cars going past and disturbing what we're watching um, Kudus are quite big animals, um, they stand a meter or more above ground at shoulder level um, and some of the bulls can get up to about a meter and a half. Um, the one closer to us is a, is a female, they've got a, a browny color with thin white stripes across its side towards its, its rump. Um, Pukela mentioned that uh, the other one is a male. It's a young male, um, so part of a family group. Um, 
unfortunately we're on a very busy road so you can probably hear the passing traffic um, but they're pretty chilled despite the vehicles driving past they haven't gone off they're too busy browsing and grazing now kudus are predominantly browsers and you can see the male is feeding on the leaves of that uh, low-lying um, bush but the female because the drought con of the drought conditions and the vegetation is so sparse she's eating whatever she can find she's now feeding on some leaves but just now she was eating some grass so um, to say that kudu are exclusively browsers is not correct they prefer to browse prefer to eat leaves but sometimes conditions dictate that they have to uh, look for other food sources um, the two impala are um, two magnificent specimens I'm sure you'll agree uh, they've got a nice um, set of horns both of them and uh, they are even though they're much smaller than the kudu only standing maybe about half a meter uh, the one ram gave the female kudu uh, a bit of a nudge just now you saw yeah, that and pushed her out of the way um, I guess because he's male and he's filled with testosterone and she's a female he can maybe do that but um, yeah they're nice to see them so close to come across our first elephant of the trip and yes. it's quite a young one which suggests there's a family herd yet, there's more on the side there of the There is vehicle. on their left. Yeah, we're in a breeding herd, youngsters and females, and that's probably the most dangerous that elephants can be because the cows can be very protective, particularly if the babies are very young, and then also you get some young teenage bulls that haven't yet left the family herd that can suddenly be too charged up with testosterone and um, become a bit aggressive and think that they can push their weight around but uh, they're just merely feeding on the felt using their trunks to reach out and peel bark off trees but this this youngster next to us is trying to push the tree over with his weight to maybe get at the um, the tree trunk flesh or the, or the roots um, yeah because in these dry conditions they need to and take whatever feeding opportunity they can have because of um, because of the breeding herd I'm not going to turn the engine off it's too risky uh, we might have to suddenly accelerate very quickly if one of them takes offense to us like he's turning around giving us the beady eye <laughs> yeah how would you describe him how high do you think he is above the ground? Ah, uh, is uh, is it one meter tall? No, it's a bit more than that. He's probably two and a half, three meters tall. And there's the other one. Yeah, that's that's one of the cows. Um, how you tell the difference between a between a cow and a bull elephant if you cannot see their their genitalia underneath? The cows have a very sharp um, angle on their forehead. So you can see a definite yeah. angle on the forehead, whereas um, a bull elephant has a rounded forehead. Oh, that's one like way to tell. Apart from the size yeah. and the presence of, of the male genitalia that dangles from uh, his undercarriage. Uh, so yeah, there shouldn't be any big bulls around. Um, 
this will be a, a herd of young bulls and females and youngsters but they're not too fast they're just gently plucking whatever food they can find and uh, trying to consume as much as possible and they do collectively they consume so much uh, plant matter in a day um, and that's why they can be very destructive particularly when uh, it's drought conditions and, and can, can really do some damage to the environment. It's a leopard, yes, walking um, south to north at about 11 o'clock from our vehicle, probably about 20 meters into the felt. Um, quite a streamlined, athletic looking one. Um, I suspect this might be female. It's amazing that the elephants we've just been describing are probably only 50 meters away. So this cat is now stopped. It's looking intently at what lies ahead. Oh, it's a beautiful specimen. Yeah. Lovely pelt. Golden with its black rosettes. Look from a distance like spots. And it's got a lovely curl to its tail. one but it's very sleek and athletic looking magnificent so if it gets to those elephants what's going to happen well it's not really a threat to the elephant it's not Is strong it enough to put maybe the it could down. take maybe it could take on a youngster um, if it was alone, but um, of course an elephant isn't. An elephant calf is not going to be alone. It's now chasing a, a rabbit. Is that a rabbit? Could have been. Maybe it disturbed a sleeping hare. Where's it gone? It's still picking its way through. I think if there was a, a hare, it would have scampered off. We said. Yep, I'm just going to go back to keep pace with it. There's a couple of other vehicles who are also jockeying for position. Oh, there's also, you see the elephant just behind it there in the background. Yes, yes. Keep an eye on the leopard. Uh, now the leopard's right, walking right into the elephant herd, but um, because it's not really a threat to the elephant and the elephant aren't really a threat to it, it's not too fussed about that. see it at the moment can you yes okay so by keeping uh, it stopped at the base of a tree oops there's a car behind but it's going the other way it's now reversing walking quite purposefully not moving further away from the road and not moving closer and uh, very calm. I mean, normally a leopard this close would be very edgy and would skulk off into the fault. But this one is very comfortable with all the cars' presence. There's four cars at the moment. There's a fifth one coming up behind, and. Uh, 
it's now out in an open clearing. So sleek. Yeah, so magnificent. Now it's getting towards that young elephant bull. I wonder if it will give it a hard time. Walking behind it, stopped at the base of the tree. There's a bit of shade and it's scratching. Maybe that's part of its territorial display, which would suggest it's a male. Just done a circle. seems to be sitting down. Yeah. I did notice that uh, there's unusual things happening around it. And the elephant, look, he's going to be aware of it, that there's an um, elephant there, but uh, it doesn't seem too fussed at all. It's just had a yawn. Showing his canines. I've decided it's a he, but I'm not 100% sure. Now it's on the move again. I've got to stop, pause. And now circling the tree again. I think now there's a couple more cars, so it's maybe getting a little bit irritated with this because it's now heading away from us into the felt. that purposeful stroll. Walking right up to those other elephants. Oh, the one cow is getting a little bit edgy. You see, she's turning around in a hurry. Oh, and then he runs. Yeah, just because the cow got a bit aggressive. Did you see that? Yes. Because the cow's got its youngster by its side just shows him who's boss. Now that was amazing. I've seen many a leopard but I've never seen them interact with elephant that closely ever before. That was something very special Pukela. Yes indeed. So most of the surrounding fault is relatively flat and undulating but relatively flat but we're coming to an area which is punctuated by a few uh, granite copies and there's one that is known as Matakanyani and um, one can get out of their vehicle. It's a huge granite dome and uh, because you're up at a high vantage point it's deemed to be a safe area where there's going to be no um, animals that can surprise you by creeping up from behind a tree or something. Uh, so yeah, they allow tourists to get out there, stretch their legs and admire the vista and that's where we're heading. And Bukela's about to ask me what Matakanyani means. Yeah, what does the Matakanyani mean? Matakanyani is um, one of the local languages word for sand flea. Okay. Because being exposed rock, there's these little sand fleas that, um, that hop about the place and uh, give you a little bit of a, of a bite if you've got no 
my socks on. Okay. Um, so yeah, just in honor of those little switches. road which is about one kilometer long and as we do so there's a herd or correct um, collective noun for a group of zebra is a dazzle of zebra so there's a dazzle of zebra about probably about 10 of them that are just feeding their way their, their, their grazers so they feed on grass and uh, just chewing away if they can find they're interspersed with a couple of ever-present impala and uh and the yeah. monkeys you see a monkey yes okay see there's a monkey there little vervet monkey scampering around and one up in the tree there yeah they'll never be alone they'll always be in a fairly sizable group known as a troop oh, but these let the zebra are very chilled grazing there nicely and the car that was in front is turning around to come back for more yeah a whole lot of monkey making their way yeah. through the undergrowth zebra for those who don't know are a type of wild horse standing about a meter above the ground at shoulder height and um, they are famous for their black and white stripes um, and there's always a bit of scientific debate if it's white stripes on a black, um, black pelt white. or black stripes on a white pelt okay. um, I've heard different theories um, from the scientists but I think it's um, I'm not going to sort of wade into that argument but yeah well, first because we haven't really been in grassland areas we've been in more woodland habitat up to now on this trip we haven't had an opportunity to see any zebra uh, so that's our first zebra of this trip and uh, yeah we'll just leave them behind they'll still be there when we come back because they're happily feeding we'll make our way following the twisty road up to the top of the crest of the, of the dome of Matakanyani to get to the top of the um, Matakanyani dome you can't go straight up because then the path would be too steep and it would be a bit of an erosion nightmare. So what the engineers have done, they've created a sort of path that curls around the side of the hill. So you follow the contours at a much shallower gradient. Um, it twists around on, on the right hand side, the open side, they've built a little wall, I guess to stop any vehicles accidentally driving off the side of the, the hill. And on the left hand side is is the hill um, and as you can see now Pukela is just bare rock the state of the road is a bit bumpy you can probably hear the strain on the engine as we're edging up um, coming around there's one car that's here 
Yeah, so not too much congestion, so it'll be nice to get out and admire the view. Oh yeah, now we are here at uh, Matikinyani St. Flea. These are the things that you cannot do when you are up here in the hill. You may alight from your vehicle at your own risk to enjoy the magnificent view. And uh, what are uh, the other things that you cannot do, Chris? There's four little boxes. The one has a fire in it, so you can't light fires and have a, have a barbecue or braai up here. Then there's a radio. And you cannot you, put you, on your music. That's you? right. The next one is a person shouting, so you can't make a noise. Okay. Disturb the other tourists and the surrounding wildlife. And the last one is a person uh, putting litter into a bin. You may not leave any litter behind. Do not litter. Yeah. So those are the things. Okay, we're leaving Matakanyani. We surveyed the surrounding land. We couldn't pick up anything too exciting. Um, which what's really important about this and other get-out points on tops of mountains and viewpoints elsewhere in the park is it's an opportunity to do just that, to stretch your legs, not be confined to your vehicle, because if you're driving around in a vehicle all day um, looking for animals, your um, body can get a bit um, claustrophobic and and uh, frustrated. So it's nice to have the opportunity to, to leave one's vehicle at certain um, safe and, and designated points. But I think it's a good time for us to leave because while when we arrived there was only one car, there's now five cars, and one of which is a small uh, bus, bus yes. and uh, a lot of loud people chattering away, so the experience Taking of solitude pictures. is yeah. not quite as, as pleasant as it was, although you know, there's nothing wrong with a bit of camaraderie and, yeah. and interaction, but for others they like the solitude, I'll probably fall more into that camp. Okay, we stopped again because there's a male kudu with a nice set of horns that's just nibbling on a fallen um, fallen tree, one that's probably been pushed over by an elephant. And um, for those of you who don't know, the symbol of South African National Parks is the stylized kudu corp, the kudu corp yes. which is two symmetrical horns that are in a spiral shape and they twist inside themselves and you can tell um, the age of a kudu by the number of, of twists in its horn so this is one is on its on its um, third twist so it's quite quite an old one even though he's looking sort of quite lean and and young um, it doesn't look fully grown yet so I think by the time he reaches a ripe old age he's going to have a fantastic head of horn um, head of horns um, but yeah you can see he's got that wet black nose that is um, that is glowing in the sort of sunlight and he's just busily looking for whatever uh, greenness he can find from the leaves you see how he sort of runs his lips over the the leaves and sort of sucks the leaves yes. off and uh, that's why some trees have thorns as a form of protection um, but uh, this kudu is able to to overcome that and he's quite content. We've come to 
an open clearing where there's no vegetation and there's a few natural depressions and um, on the far side of one of the depressions is a warthog which is a type of wild pig stands about half a meter above the ground built like a tank it's a gray color although it's got wispy brown hair it sticks out from all sorts and the reason it's called a warthog is on its face it has these massive facial warts so it's not the prettiest of animals they've got these very impressive um, tusks that curl out of the side of their mouths um, and can do a lot of damage if you get on the wrong side of a warthog um, the other feature that the warthog are renowned for is their little tail because when they run they pull their skin tight and their tail comes up like a periscope mm. and that's believed to be how the babies are able to follow their parents by using the um, tail as a as a sighter but this one's not running it's just chilling and as you can see he's got a whole lot of of those red bull ox peckers on his back one two three four five six of them and um, they've just flown over you might be able to hear them as they fly away okay we've got a couple of rhino that are lying down and resting up in the heat of the day and unusually they're out in exposed sunlight and um, I seem very nonplussed about the situation and there's a number of cars that have stopped to watch them you can probably hear some of them idling their engines in the background um, how many are there Bukela? I see two there are two just two yes looks like a mother um, and her calf and the one on the right is not as big as the one near on the other side but you can see on its back it's got one of the ever-present ox peckers feeding on the parasites it's also a big one and one of the ox peckers is actually pecking at the nostril of the one and they've got a bit of mud on their back so i think they've been you know, wallowing in a mud pool and they're just chilling and trying to get some shut eye we're walking alongside a rather impressive and magnificent elephant bull our first one of the day he's tall about four meters shoulder height I would guess three four meters difficult to tell one two yeah, three and a half four meters and you can see that moisture around his temple that is um, a hormonal um, condition known as mass where they secrete hormones and um, it's related to this sort of sexuality and and um, they can be quite aggressive sometimes when they're in that condition he's got a rather impressive pair of set of tasks on him well over a meter long and he's just ambling along keeping pace with a vehicle going at one or two kilometers an hour he's just lumbering through the felt a magnificent magnificent beast we're just crossing the Biamiti river 
which is dry. Most of the river is actually underground, subterranean. Uh, so there's still quite a lot of reed, reed cover along the course of the river. And a couple of hundred meters upstream to our right, to the west, is a herd of waterbuck, which we haven't yet seen this trip. They're a shaggy grey antelope that um, stand over a meter above the ground at shoulder height and uh, the males have a, have a very impressive u-shaped uh, horns uh, females don't have horns and look like woolly grey sheep um, but yeah, they're always associated with water so you find them along the parks river courses and and dams and things like that and uh, yeah they're just picking their way trying to get some fodder in the dry river bed okay we're just about to make our major pit stop on the journey at a picnic site come tea room called Afsal it's so named because it was a place where in the old days of the four trekkers they would unsaddle their horses and take a break here facilities, uh, fast foods, and you can also hire a gas a frying pan and cook your bacon and eggs, uh, which is great for a bushfog breakfast or brunch. Uh, yeah, so we're probably going to spend a few minutes here, uh, maybe visit the toilet as well, and then be on our way again. Cool. We've just left Afsal and already we're back on the game spotting trail. There's a large lone white rhino bull away to our left on the eastern side of the road uh, there's a few vehicles that have gone down a dirt road in that direction to have a closer look at him and they are right up close to him he's walking towards them at the moment but as we speak there's a real live zebra crossing there's a group of zebra crossing the road in front of us and i'm going to ask Pukele what the collective noun for a group of zebra are and I can see the panic on his face because he knows I'm going to hit him if he gets it off. <laughs> uh, okay. It's bright, you've got to put your sunglasses on, it rhymes with frazzle. It's a... what is it Chris? A dazzle. A dazzle. A dazzle, a dazzle of zebra. A dazzle, okay. If, if it's a group of lions it's called a, a pride of lions. If it's a group of impala, it's a head of impalas. Yeah, so I'm learning, I'm learning. So this is a group of zebra. Yeah, a desert. A desert. Yes, a desert. Yeah, I was just uh, wiping my things here. That's why I... Okay, I'll let you off this time. And we've got another first for the trip. We're in a nice open area, so there's plenty of grazing for the grazers. We've just seen a uh, desert of zebra, but now what have we got on our left-hand side? It's a, it's a wildebeest. A wildebeest, a blue wildebeest. Yeah. Also known as a brindled gnu. Okay. Although it looks more like a cow, it's actually a type of antelope. And unlike some of the other ones that um, only the males have horns, in wildebeest both males and females have horns. They are quite a large animal and they're probably the favoured food of lion and hyena throughout the park. Um, 
they're a sort of dark grey colour from a distance on a shimmery hazy day they look a kind of shade of blue but grey is more their colour and they're crazy they run around do all funny things and everyone thinks that they're a bit loopy um, but yeah first one for the trip but always a good sign okay Pakela way to our right at three o'clock there's um, quite a small rock. Yeah, what do you see? notice about it compared to the other rocks? That one. Yeah. Look it, how it's reflecting it, off the sun. Yes, it's, it looks more like a statue or something. It looks a bit shiny. Hey? Yeah, it's, it's shiny. Now the reason it's shiny is because it's actually a rhino rubbing post. Uh, rhinos use stones and sometimes uh, fallen trees to rub up against um, to try and uh, ease the itchiness from parasites that they might have on their, their skin, ticks and fleas and that sort of thing. And they rub so hard it's like sandpaper because they've got that heavy duty uh, skin. And it rubs so much it starts to polish the stone. Uh, so the, the, the rock is uh, probably about three quarters of a meter to a meter high above the ground but it's been worn smooth by the constant rubbing of rhino, probably more than one, uh, because this area we're in right now is is a very reliable place uh, to find uh, crashes of rhinoceros. And uh, we saw one just back there by a few hundred meters. Good. Okay, well just after I've said it's a really good area for rhino, not 50 meters further up the road, there are some rhino lying down. Um, just having a little afternoon siesta. It's now half past one in the afternoon. So it's pretty hot and they're just lying on their sides. Uh, a pair of them and much closer to us. I'm going to turn the engine off. Uh, probably about five meters from the car are three... Five. Um, one, two, oh, I think those two are rocks. The three on the, the left, on the, on the right. And then two on the left. Oh no, you're right, you're spot on. Yes. It's a covey of um, Swainson spurfowl. Yes. Swainson spurfowl are a type of ground-dwelling bird about the size of a chicken, um, a type of game bird, and they're just sitting down themselves. Um, and when they lie close to the ground like that, they look like rocks, very well camouflaged. Uh, one of the birds has got up now. Uh, the adult birds have got uh, red bare skin on their face um, the rest of the plumage is, is a brown color they've got a gray legs and gray beak and uh, they sort of just peck their way like a chicken does through the, the earth they feed on the ground and pick up seeds and grubs and whatever they come across and you see that one digging its beak in the, yes. in the earth sort of scooping and, and looking for little stuff um, there's actually six of them, two on the left, three on the right, and that one that's got up. Yeah. And it's amazing, and they look so much like rocks or all that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, usually they'd be in the shade at this time of day. So um, maybe not. it's not as hot a day as it seems. Um, although the temperature gauge says 25 degrees, so it's not, it's not cool by any means. And um, yeah, let's have a closer look at those rhino before we stop recording. 
Binox. Again, the one looks larger than the other, so that's probably a, a mother with her teenage uh, calf. Um, so not yet fully grown, um, but uh, no youngster by any means. And they're just chilling there. If you look through the Binox, you'll see looking quite content. Yeah. Yeah, this the one on the left on, on our right hand side is very big. Mm, I think that's mom. Yeah, very big. Yeah. And we're having a good day with Rhino because uh, there's two Rhino in the middle of the road, so there's a big traffic jam ahead of us. The one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cars stopped already. Um, for one, two. Two adult rhino, or was it three? No, it's three. And uh, yeah, very comfortable. It's very unusual to see them right on the road when there's so many cars around. Uh, the one that's just stepped out is perhaps slightly smaller than the other two, so it's probably a teenager. Um, but yeah, the vehicles are getting very close, which is actually not all that ideal. But we're in the center of the park here, so the the scourge of poaching which uh, we really have is more concentrated along the sort of boundary areas of the park um, and now they've finally had enough and they've trotted off um, into the felt and all the cars coming out of the direction are filing past us and yeah, the plural of rhinoceros, a group of rhino is known as Crash. A crash. A crash of rhino. <coughs> yeah. Crash, tanks crash. that can crash into each other. Oh yeah, yeah, a crash of rhinos. Yeah, and then we're not allowed to 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 be specific in terms of where we've seen the rhinos. Are you aware of that? Yes, that's yeah. a good thing to bring up. Um, yeah. in the past on the sightings boards that each of the camps <coughs> have to let other guests know where uh, their fellow tourists and visitors have seen various yes. species. Because of the poaching threat, uh, they've removed the magnets or the pins uh, of rain for on a Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I've noticed they're not there on the notice boards. That's right. That's a nice little family gathering of three. Good stuff. Okay, so we're moving further south towards the Camp Birkendal and the whole um, relief of the park has changed. Bukela, what do you notice when you look out compared to when we were back at Kukuza in terms of the, of the flatness of the land? <coughs> uh, I can see there's uh, big mountains just in front of us and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's mean, not flat anymore, and yeah, we have big... That's the crucial thing, most of Kruger is relatively flat, there's odd isolated hills here and there, but the southwestern corner of the park is in a mountainous area, um, uh, known as the Barberton Hills, and um, if you think the name of the camp of Birkendal in Afrikaans means mountain and valley so oh, okay. you 
vegetation has changed subtly and um, the mountainous regions are maybe not full of as much grazing material as um, as around um, some of the other camps but there's still quite a lot of activity as you've seen we've passed lots of, of rhino and, and signs of rhino their middens their little uh, communal latrines at the side of the road and uh, yeah, we'll still see plenty of, of wildlife and have the added advantage of having wonderful scenery. Okay, we've just come over a rise and we're now at an elevated thing descending down a hill towards Malalan Gate. Just having to pause because a young impala doe is walking across the road in front of us. Um, but one of the negatives of this portion of the park that some people don't like is that because of the elevated view, you can see what's on the other side of, of um, the fence, so to speak, or the, the river. So, w what do you see on the horizon, Pokela? Well, I see... Is that the, uh, the out, uh, outside of the park? Yeah. You can see the, the farms there, <clears throat> and then the community, community next to the... To yeah, the, and then the look park. at that big thing over there that's smoking. Yeah, I think it's a... It's a manufacture or a mine? It's not a mine, it's um, those fields are all sugar, sugar cane fields. Oh, okay. So that's what they farm in on the south of the Crocodile River on the southern boundary of the park. Okay. And that's a sugar cane factory where they process sugar and uh, you can see it pumps a lot of smog into the horizon. Yeah. So for people who come to the park because they want to experience a bit of wilderness and get away from human-created environments, um, it's a bit of a negative for them to be able to, to see that, but one has to overlook that and realize that, you know, this is a gem of a place within the microcosm of um, an African landscape. So, the park exists for animals and, and tourists, but outside the park, life must go on. and. Um, farming, agriculture, mining um, is something that, that takes place and uh, it just happens to be outside the park and if we look a little closer you might be able to see um, some of the, the golf courses uh, is Leopard Creek is the one that's immediately on the other side of the river um, the Crocodile River owned by the Rupert family and one of the premier golf courses in the world
we've got a bit of a roadblock. There's a massive bald elephant. It's just wandering, lumbering its way across the road in front of us. Three cars, four cars from the other direction. Two or three from our direction. But it's being fairly chilled and it's going off straight off the road down look for water presumably on the other side of the road. Big tall wagon. Finally our first giraffe of the trip. Tallest animal in the land. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven meters tall I would guess. Look at that long tongue sticking yeah. out and ripping <coughs> the thorns and the leaves back towards itself. Yeah, that's when we're about to get to the gate. Barakhandal. How far is it from here? Yeah, it's probably uh, two or three kilometers from here. Yeah. And uh, this is a bull giraffe. You can see by his horns. See that bald, bony part of the horns? Yes. Females have hair on the horns and they bend slightly inwards. Um, whereas males like this, old males, or some of buffalo, they leave the herd and go and form their own loose. Uh, bachelor coalitions and uh, I'm sure he has some of his um, fellow grumpy old men not too far away and uh, yeah for those who don't know what a giraffe looks like it's as I say it's the tallest mammal in the world it's got a very long thin neck that stretches up for almost half of that Right. 